All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Revelation. The last time we were here, we were dealing with the introduction of the bold judgments. And we saw that that took place at chapter, the end of chapter 14 in combination with chapter 15. Chapter 14, we saw Christ and a number of angels with sickles in their hands as the whole idea being they were prepared to reap the earth, that is, to bring the final judgment to the earth. And then we see in chapter 15, there's this, it takes us back to the scene in heaven because that's primarily where we were engaged. And there is rejoicing in heaven because uh, there is anticipation of the judgment that is to come, but not just simply in the judgment within itself, but also in that Christ would return to the earth and be victorious for the saints. And so that's basically what we see, the message of victory for the saints of God. And therefore, they praise God as well as those in the introduction of those seven angels that had the bold judgments. Now, uh, a couple of comments about that bold judgment. Remember what we said earlier concerning the bold judgment. First, we have the seal judgments, seven seal inside the seventh, which is the last seal. Seventh seal would be the seven trumpet judgments. And inside the seventh trumpet would be the bold judgments. And what we see in the seals to the trumpets and to the bold judgments, the judgments and the devastation that God is bringing about upon the earth is getting worse and worse. And when we get to the trumpet judgments, these, as the scriptures tell us, will be the completion of the wrath of God, because in it, that is, after the devastation of the of the bold judgments, I'm sorry, the devastation of the bold judgments, Jesus himself returns to the earth and a lot of other things take place and we're not going to get into it right here. I can't wait to get into it. But anyway, so it is the worst devastation that will ever take place upon the earth. And this defines the bold judgments. Remember what Jesus said, except those days had been shortened, no flesh could survive it. And also remember, these things are happening in rapid succession. And it is getting worse and worse and worse. Okay, with that introduction, now let us go into chapter 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So now we see those angels that we saw earlier at the end of chapter 15. Now they're being commanded from this loud voice in the temple, which most likely is the voice of God. Since earlier we saw where everyone had to leave the temple because the glory of God began to fill the temple of heaven as we prepare for the wrath that is about to come upon the face of the earth. And so now these angels are now being directed and sent out to the earth with those bowls of judgment to begin to pour out on the earth. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and it became a loathsome and malignant sore on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshiped his image. Remember chap uh, chapter 14, 
where there was a warning from the angel that said, do not receive the mark of the beast because those who do will taste of the wrath of God. This is the beginning of, of that warning. Those who did receive the mark of the beast, who accepted him as the God man, God on earth, they are now being judged by God himself. And that judgment comes in the form of what is called a loathsome and malignant sword. Now, what's interesting about that is the word that loathsome and malignant comes from, uh, kakan and paniron. Both Greek words mean bad or, and, or evil, and they're being used in an adjectival form as adjectives. And the whole idea that it seems to suggest is the emphasis that is being drawn here, that this sore that God is bringing upon mankind is excruciatingly grievous and it is really bad. It kind of, kind of like brings to mind the, 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 the issue of Job. Remember how I said Job had sores on his head, on his body from the top of his head to the sole of his feet? That was nothing in comparison to the sores that God would bring upon these who received the mark of the beast. And this is just the first bowl. All right. All right. Verse number three, the second angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became blood like that of a dead man and every living thing in the sea died. So now we see with rapid succession, keep that in mind, the second angel comes out and pours out his bowl of wrath and its effect is upon the sea. Now remember in the trumpet judgment, we also had a similar thing when the trumpet blew. I think it was the second trumpet. I'm not certain, but I believe it was. I think where the, when the angel blew that trumpet, its effect was upon the sea, but it only affected a third part of the seas. A third of the animals with, within the sea, the sea life, died. But here in the bold judgment, once again, look at the severity of the situation. It said every living thing in the sea died. It is unimaginable. I cannot imagine what the world would be like when you have uh, what is approximately 18 to 20 percent of the world uh, gets its food source from the we get our food source from the ocean, 20 percent. So I can imagine once again the carcasses that may begin to float on top of the ocean waters and the smell that comes from. I cannot imagine how horrific that is. But now let's continue. Then. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and springs of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, Righteous are you who are and who were, O holy one, because you judge these things. For they poured out the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. So now we see in this third uh, angel pouring out his bowl on when it says rivers and springs, it means fresh water. That is drinking water. So, and we get almost all of our water from drinking water. So I imagine things like cisterns and, and underground water. That's probably the only thing that was left available to drink. So I, I, I can't <laughs> imagine is the shortage of water where there's almost no water to drink. And, and notice, 
here is the sense of desperation that you can sense that's coming in mankind because all of a sudden now an angel praises God and what he's doing. In other words, it's, it's so bad for the human race. The angel is, is not saying, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, have mercy. You should not have done that because that's just too awful. Notice the voice, the response of the angel. The angel says, righteous are you. In other words, at the very end of it, they deserve it. If you actually looked at that, they deserve it in Greek. It says, Axio a scene worthy they are. In other words, deserve it. They do. So we see now with the third angel, fresh water is now stricken. And notice at the same time, let our, let our mind go, let our mind go back to the trumpet judgments. We saw the same thing. The rivers and the fresh water were struck but only a third of it. But now what do you see? Not a third of the waters, all of the fresh water. So now we have all of the sea waters, all of the fresh water. And now the angel begins to praise God and simply say, you know what? These wicked men deserve it. You know why? Notice by turning the water to blood. Here's the whole point. He said they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets. In other words, they killed God's people. And since they killed God's people, they took their blood. They deserve to drink it. But nevertheless, it's getting worse and worse. So now let's continue. And I heard the altar saying, yes, O Lord God, the almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And so now the altar, which is in heaven, comes to sanctions that and says, amen. Amen. God is indeed righteous for the judgments and severe judgments that he's bringing upon the world. Fourth angel. Eight. The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun and it was given given to to it to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with fierce heat and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues and they did not repent so as to give him glory. Now, when we move to the fourth angel, he has the power over the sun. And this goes in a similar sense to the trumpet judgment with the exception that the sun and the, and a third part of the sun and the stars and the moon were not allowed to shine. So there is that similarity, but this time, instead of not allowing it to shine, he causes the sun to shine with such a degree of fierceness that it burns men. So being simply out in the daylight would burn people. You know, people are always talking about climate change. Climate change does not come now. It doesn't start now. Climate change will start in the tribulation and it will be with this great heat that burns the skin of men. But notice the response uh, before we get into the response, before we get into the response, notice they knew that it was God who was causing these things and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues and they did not repent and give him glory. So they knew that it was God who was responsible for all of these catastrophic events 
and still the hardness of their hearts. They refuse to repent. They refuse to turn to God. And here's something that I, I was saving this. You probably caught it too, to bring to your attention. Notice their response. They blasphemed. Now I'm not going to talk about that right now. I'm going to wait till we get near the end of this. And then I'm going to talk about how important that sent that blaspheming of mankind is. Okay. But here the point, once again, they knew it was God. They still refused to repent and they blasphemed him. Fifth angel. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became darkened and they gnawed their tongues because of pain and they blaspheme the God of heaven. You see that again because of their pains and their sores and they did not repent of their deeds. And so now the fifth angel, we see darkness, but let me, let me take, let me slow it down just a little bit. Have you noticed that there is a similarity with uh, the plagues of Egypt, things like the blood, things like the darkness and things like the sores. But what we actually saw with sores, there is a similarity of nets, nets that were biting the Egyptians. OK, but there is a similarity to these particular plagues. And I believe what the principal form of the principal point is this. God struck the Egyptians with those 10 plagues, all men of these plagues, as it was against the idolatrous gods of Egypt in the same sense as the Antichrist is an idol, idol God, along with Satan, along with the workings of the false prophet. God is in the same way striking against idolatry. He is simply saying that he, that is God, is God alone. God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit, God alone. And God is rejecting and hammering the false gods of the earth. OK, and those who worship them. And I think that's the idea that we see being generated here. But nevertheless, back to the fifth angel with the darkness over the throne, over the throne and kingdom of the beast. Now, since by this time, the Antichrist is basically in control, he is ruling the whole world at this time. It seems that this darkness would be darkness over the world itself. OK, and so the response is people uh, uh, in this darkness that you could cut with a knife. People begin to gnaw their tongues in pain and it talks about once again their sores. OK. Now, let me go all the way back. Notice the gnawing of the tongue with the pain and the sores takes us all the way back to the very first plague when God smote those who had the mark of the beast with these grievous sores. Remember what I said earlier, that as these things happen, these particular plagues, they don't let up. So as we move from one to another, it just keeps happening and it just keeps happening happening. Okay. So the, the, the whole thing that I'm trying to emphasize and scriptures emphasize for us is intensity, intensity of the plagues. All right. That's why I said it will complete these plagues will complete the wrath of God. But once again, they knew it was God. Why? They blasphemed God because of their pains and their sores. And once again, they did not repent. 
Notice for the second time, we see the response of the people in the Antichrist kingdom, those who worship and serve, serve him. They blaspheme God. Now, this once again will be important as we move to the end of the chapter. And this is what uh, this section of Revelation is trying to emphasize. They blaspheme. They blaspheme. They blaspheme God. Knowing it is God, the absolute rejection of God. Okay, 12, the sixth angel. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the, the, uh, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. Now, I don't want to say a lot about this, but let me just talk a little about it. So the sixth angel, there was no particular plague of the sixth angel, but it's going to get it, what it. What he is actually doing is he is getting things set up for what many call the battle of Armageddon. OK, we'll talk about that as we move along. We don't want to put a lot of time in it, but we will talk about it a little bit. But he poured out his vial, his bowl on the great river Euphrates. And you'll have to see a map that takes uh, shows where the Euphrates River is that prepares uh, the armies of the Antichrist to cross over to Mount to Mount Megiddo. All right. So what is actually going on? Let me slow it down. I tell you what, let me just slow it down all the way. All right. The angel pours out his bowl on the Euphrates. The whole idea is, is so that the Euphrates will be dried up. Whether it is dried up by channels, we have those channels right now, by man or by some supernatural event. Doesn't matter. The Euphrates will be dried up. And by being dried up, it will allow the armies from the east to cross over to the mountain of Megiddo. Now, the armies of the East. Many times it has been falsely assumed that the armies of the East is China. This is not correct. If I could, I would scream it out loud. You cannot take a newspaper analogy today and paste scripture into it. You have to look at scripture for what it has said already of itself. What I mean is this, to believe that these kings of the East is China is incorrect because the scriptures never mentions China as being of the East. From the East is in the area of Mesopotamia. The scripture always refers to that area as ancient Mesopotamia. And the, and the areas of ancient Mesopotamia were Assyria and Babylon. And we already know that the Antichrist was set up the capital city of his kingdom in Babylon. So therefore, what we will see is a conglomerate of military power, the Antichrist, as he moves other nations to join with him and they will cross the Euphrates and set themselves up on the Mount of Megiddo. OK, and we'll talk about that as we move through the text. But nevertheless, that's what the sixth angel does. He prepares the Euphrates for the crossing of the Antichrist and the armies that will uh, go along with him as we prepare for what many refer to as the Battle of Armageddon. All right, 13. 
Now let's talk more about that particular situation in these verses. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the great day of God, the almighty. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. And they gather them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Har Magidan. All right, now let's break this down. This may take a little time, but if you pay attention, guys, I think you'll really get something from it. So he's verse number 13. John said he saw this unclean spirit coming from the mouth of the dragon. Remember, the dragon is Satan from the mouth of the beast. Remember, the beast is referred to chapter 13, the Antichrist and the false prophet, the end of chapter 13. So we have three unclean spirits like he said, like frogs that came from the mouth of these creatures. And this is the unholy trinity. Okay. The dragon, father, the beast, son, the false prophet, the Holy Spirit. And they come, the spirits, these demonic spirits come from the mouths of these three entities in order to influence the kings of the earth. Notice in verse number 14, they are spirits of demons. Look what they do. Performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the almighty. So these spirits go out to the kings of the world to influence as well as to convince these kings to join the Antichrist to come to the to in verse number 16, the very end unto the mountains of Megiddo for the great battle of God. OK, so the thing that comes to mind is. Since we know that the Antichrist and we don't have time to rehash all of these things, and you guys have to go back and find those videos. I don't know exactly which ones they were, but. We know that the Antichrist rises to power as the world is divided into 10 kingdoms. Okay. 10 kingdoms, 10 kings, 10 men. The Antichrist, according to the book of Daniel, will go to war with three kings and kill them. When he kills those three kings with those three divisions, the rest of those seven kingdoms of the world with which the world is divided, will give their allegiance to the Antichrist and worship him as the God man. Okay. So we know that. However, and we also know, I'm sorry, not, not yet, not yet. The Antichrist will set up his kingdom in literal Babylon, which is in basically Southern Iraq today. So that's why we see Iraq being rebuilt and other things will take place. But nevertheless, the capital city of the world, the capital city of the Antichrist will be set up in Babylon. But now he will not always have an easy time, even though he will 
predominantly rule the world, that he will always have difficulties with people in peoples in his kingdom and people who are outside of his kingdom. Because everybody, every single solitary person is not going to favor the Antichrist. And so what we will find is he will have trouble. Like I think it says in Daniel, he will have tidings from the north. And also notice something. When the book of Daniel speak of that last kingdom, even the kingdom of the Antichrist, it speaks of it as the toes. But notice what it says. It is iron mixed with dirt. And the idea of the iron mixed with dirt is, is that it's not as solid as he wants it to be. If it were just simply solid, I hope you guys are following that. I hope you guys are following that. Okay, let, let me help you out. Let, let, let me bring that back. Book of Daniel, remember, Nebuchadnezzar had this particular dream. And it's a dream of this statue with a head of gold, arms of silver, and bronze chest, and then you had the uh, steel on the legs and the thighs, and the steel mixed with the iron, I'm sorry, the iron mixed with the dirt, okay? And so that's basically, and it spoke of those particular kingdoms. Babylon is the head of gold, and uh, what was it? Uh, Medo-Persia is silver, and what is it, uh, 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 Greece? Greece is uh, the bronze, and then Rome is it's tough. Rome is the iron ore, and and so and then we have the basically reborn kingdom, and that's when we see that iron mixed with clay or with dirt. Okay, so the Antichrist is that final kingdom. Those ten toes, those also, as we see, ten kings. But the, the point of the dirt being mixed with it means there is weakness. It's not as absolute as he would have it. So he is troubled in his kingdom. Now, let me bring you all the way back around. And we're talking about the spirit that has gone forth from the mouth of the Antichrist as well. I'm sorry, the dragon, the Antichrist and the false prophet to influence them to come to the battle. And we're, and we're bringing in that, that idea that I was showing you, the weakness and the troubles that the Antichrist will have in solidifying total power over the earth, and, and which he won't. He will never get total absolute, absolute power, but he'll basically be the ruler of the earth. He will be the basic predominant ruler, but he'll never have complete and total and absolute in every sense. And one of the reasons is one of the prophets teach us that I believe it's Isaiah, the prophet. I'll show you the reference is during the time in which the Antichrist gathers uh, the armies uh, 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 when he wants to gather the armies against Jerusalem to destroy the Jews, because this is basically what is taking place here. We're the, 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 OK. <laughs> I probably need to slow that part down. The valley, I'm sorry, the mountains of Megiddo, okay, is, going, is nothing more. It's not going to be the place where the battle actually is. That's going to be the place where the armies gather to set up. The actual place 
where the fighting will be, will be in what is called the Valley of Jezreel. And this has ancient, many uh, uh, scriptural uh, annotations concerning the Valley of Jezreel, sometimes called the Valley of Decision or the Valley of Judgment, okay? But the whole point is Mount Megiddo is where they come to set up. And uh, Jezreel is where the actual fighting will be. But nevertheless, while he is getting ready to try to do all of those things, Babylon will be destroyed. And I don't have time to get into that right now, guys. I really do. The capital city of the Antichrist himself, while the Antichrist is off warring and preparing to war, the city of Babylon will be destroyed. And so therefore you can see the kings of the earth as the Antichrist is trying to encourage them to join him in this uh, a final battle, the great war of God, we can now see the necessity of those demon spirits going out to the kings of the earth and doing m marvelous signs trying to convince them to come to the battle. You see it now? So if the spirits go out to convince why because his city has been destroyed and the idea is if he can't keep his own city why then should we join him <laughs> but nevertheless so the spirits unclean spirits do convince these great men in other words the great kings to join the antichrist and notice what it says in verse number 14 that's what it the kings of the whole world. See, notice that they do back him in the end to gather them together for the war. Tan Palimon. And so that is the great and final war. And that's why they call it the great day of God, the almighty. And this is what we all know to be. Everybody knows they call it the battle of Armageddon. Okay. And, and that's fine. It, it, you know, I don't think it's such a big deal of it, but actually, as we said earlier, Armageddon, let's get to it. Let me, let me, let me, let's stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. I'm not going to do that. Let's just move to 15 and then we'll see 16. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. So once again, the Lord speaks to his people. Now, this is what we have right here. And notice something. Notice something. It's good to see. It is at this point that Jesus now speaks to the rest of his people who are on the earth and says, be on your guard. And the whole point is because this event will signify the return of the Lord. So he says, keep yourself together. You know, keep your business straight. Can I say it like that? And that's why he says, I'm coming like a thief, blah, blah, blah. One who stays awake and keeps his clothes. He's just simply using the idea of being and staying prepared, but staying prepared, especially now. Why? Because after this, Jesus will return and we'll see that in Revelation chapter 19. But we'll talk about a few things before then. Okay. 
and verse 16. And they gathered them together, that is, the armies of the Antichrist, to a place which is in Hebrew called Ha-Megedon. Ha is the Hebrew word for mountain. Megedon, uh, uh, the, the Hebrew um, translation, Megiddo, the mountains of Megiddo. So the Antichrist, the spirits, those demon spirits that went forth from his mouth, they did those uh, miraculous signs to convince the kings of the world to join the Antichrist on the Mount of Megiddo. They were successful and a great army gathered there for the last great battle. Okay, verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air and a loud voice came out from the temple, came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. There were flashes of lightning, sounds and peals of thunder. And there was a great earthquake such as there had not been since men came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it and so mighty. And the great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of her of his fierce wrath. Now, let me stop right there. Let me stop right there. So now we're in the seventh bowl with the seventh angel and he pours his upon the air. And by pouring upon the air, we heard a loud voice coming from the temple of God saying it is done. The idea is you can count on the fact that all of these judgments will uh, will accumulate. And in the accumulation of all of these judgments, it will bring to completion the wrath of God. It is finished. Kind of like what Jesus said on the cross, a similar thing right there. Okay. But nevertheless, so it is poured out on the air, but now we're going to keep going. We got, we got some work to do. We got some things we need to bring back to our remembrance. And so as we conclude this judgment and the world is almost torn apart, but not quite yet. You see the lightning and the thunder, and then there's an earthquake. This, uh, these are a part of a series of earthquakes that we've been seeing throughout the book of Revelation. But notice, what did we say about the bold judgments and its intensity and how the bold judgment were the worst things? They just the worst things ever. We've had earthquakes before, but now look at this particular earthquake. It was an earthquake such as there had not been since man came to be up on the earth. So great an earthquake was it and so mighty. Now imagine what the devil kind of earthquake just hit this planet. It was the worst earthquake we have ever had. You know what? It's difficult for me to constantly emphasize and try to get you to, to, to kind of see how awful and awesome the judgments are. Again, Jesus said, if this stuff continued, everybody would be dead. Everybody, everybody. So we now we got an earthquake and it's tearing the place apart. In verse number 19, what does it say? The great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his, of his fierce wrath. So the great city is not Jerusalem. You notice we know in revelation, J Jerusalem was referred to the great city as well as Babylon. But here 
It's the very text saying the great city, what great city? Babylon, the great was remembered before God. So Babylon, the city of the Antichrist, which was is still in darkness, still in darkness is how do you, I, I don't know. The earthquake just split the city into three parts, but then notice the second part of that verse. Amazing. And if you live in a, 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 a city, a, a, a modern type area, notice what it said. The cities of the nations fail. The earthquake was worldwide. Can you imagine that? A word, not just in a certain place was it an earthquake. The earthquake was worldwide. And it said the cities of the nations Metropolitan. Can you, I mean, there are some New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, Tokyo, all these places with these Seoul in South Korea, with these super high rises and these super and mega cities. Every single one of them collapsed on itself. Can you imagine how many people died as all of those buildings began to fall down? All of the cities fell. But let me go on. Let me go on. Let me go on. Let me go on. Why? Because God was angry at his fierce wrath. 20. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Whether or not that is just using some language of emphasis or it is a literal statement, and I take that to be literal. I take it to be literal. Why? It said there was an earthquake that was greater than, it was the worst earthquake that has ever happened on the planet. So I can literally see the islands. And do you guys know that there are literally thousands of islands throughout the oceans? Did you know that? And notice what it said. Every island fled away. They sunk and then it says the mountains, the high places of the earth, the earthquake took the mountains themselves down until the mountains were not found. Absolute calamity. And now let me go to verse number 21. But before I do that, do you remember when it said mankind, when it got began to experience, let me go back and find those particular verses. Let me go back. Just give me one, one second. When the fierce heat in verse number nine was poured out on humanity, what did they do? They blasphemed God. They knew it was God. And what did they do? They blasphemed God. Now let's go to verse number 11. And what happened when the fifth angel and there was darkness and the pain again, verse number 11, they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and things of that nature. Right. And so what do we see? Remember, I told you, Watch all of this blaspheming. Now, according to the law, to blaspheme God, the penalty for blasphemy is stoning, stoning to death, stone to death. And notice as we move to the very last verse of this chapter, verse number 21, penalty. And huge hailstones about one hundred pounds each. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that came down from heaven 
upon men and men. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Men blaspheme God because of the plague of the hell, because his plague was extremely severe. So what do we have for the penalty for their blaspheming? God himself stoned them. God himself stoned them for blaspheming his holy name. They knew it was God and still in that. It, I, 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 it is it is beyond me. It is beyond me. That's why I know salvation must be an act of God. If God does not soften the heart, we will not hear him. Huge hailstones that speaks for itself. But now notice, guys, a hundred pounds. Can you imagine as a hundred pound hailstorm come down from heaven? If it struck you, <laughs> you can just about guarantee it killed you. A hundred pound hailstorm. So the end result of the final plague is God stoned mankind from heaven. And that completes the seven bowls of wrath. Now, when you take a look at all of these things, beginning with those loathsome sores and the waters of the seas being destroyed, the dry waters being destroyed, the heat upon mankind, Euphrates army, all, everything that's going on. When you look at the world, can you now imagine when Jesus returns, the planet will be literally destroyed. Just a few. It won't be a whole lot of folk living. There will be some living, but the destruction upon the planet will be devastating. And that is the reason why we call it the tribulation. And it is after the bold judgments, we will see the return of Christ. But before we talk about the return of Christ, we're going to talk about Babylon. Mystery Babylon, that is ecclesiastical Babylon, and then we'll talk about political Babylon. And then once we through, get through with that part, we will now continue. We will now continue. So chapter 17 and 18, I kind of be a little interlude to talk about Babylon a little bit. OK, it's going like, to break the narrative a little bit. And then we're going to start it back up in chapter 19 after the great tribulation. And then we see Jesus return on a white horse and we all and he's going to come to continue to make war. But we'll talk about all of that as we move through the book of Revelation. All right, guys, thanks for joining me on that.